Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades Like straight up A's, our parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Server called Phileas home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but feel in the fix Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate. They ever made a better same famous, but they got the game. Getting on 76ers, travel by lane, this Larry Bird. Get it on 76ers, travel by lane, this Larry Bird. Hello! And welcome to the Joel Embiid Sorrow Edition of the State of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McBenamin of Metro Philly, alongside ESPN True Hoop writer Michael Kasky Blomain. And as always, you can add our podcast on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. Um, you know, I wanted to start the show today by saying thanks to all of our listeners. We've had a really quite a growing uh, over these past 14 episodes here. So thanks so much for tuning in. And, uh, you know, we had our first guest on the show last week, Andy Jasner, uh, you know, to talk some Iverson news and, you know, NBA playoffs. And uh, we're bringing in another special guest today on the show, a man I've known for eight years now, uh, who started a fantastic Sixers blog, Philadelphia.com, in 2009. Uh, we're speaking to the editor-in-chief, Kerry Smith. And, Kerry, how are you doing, and are you ready to talk some Sixers tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I am certainly ready to talk to uh, two of the most knowledgeable Sixers guys I know. <laughs> well, that's great. And, uh, you know, when, when you started Philadelphia six years ago, uh, Joel Embiid was just an undiscovered kid in Cameroon looking to become a soccer star, you know, not the – the NBA star that he's become, are you starting to wish he, he's stuck to that route now with the news of, you know, his latest setback on his right foot coming out on Saturday? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, uh, but I'm certainly disappointed. <laughs> but I, I have not yet pressed the panic button, and I am not ready yet to get off the uh, Joel Embiid uh, bandwagon just yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk about how, you know, just – the the Sam Hinky followers over the past few days here have been you know all over the place uh, in terms of their kind of opinions on Sam and and what he's done here in terms of you know drafting Embiid obviously there is a lot of risk involved there and you know in your mind Carrie do you feel like you know that this is the start of some of this kind of Sam Hinky backfire? I mean, I think you're going to obviously see the critics, you know, puffing their chest out right now. But, I mean, what exactly are they, you know, boasting about? I mean, his foot isn't healing as fast as they thought it would. He didn't re-injure it to our knowledge, or at least to what they're telling the public. He didn't have an accident in training or a workout or anything like that. It just they took an MRI or and didn't see as much healing as they had hoped to see. So, I'm not really sure what there is to criticize about Henke. He didn't he have a, didn't again did not re-injure the foot. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not that upset about it. I did not want him playing in the summer league this year anyhow, just for safety precaution's sake. So, you know, I'm sure the critics are going to be jumping all over Henke 
and I'm just not sure why nothing really has happened or changed to this point. Yeah, and I, I feel like most of the bloggers, you know, who who have been on board with Sam Hinkie's plan the whole time, you know, they're still kind of, you know, on that same kind of wavelength right now. Um, you know, no one's panicking too much. The only thing I find kind of ironic is, you know, the the belief to not really show disappointment, you know, that Joel Embiid was the guy to pick all along, you know, uh, even if he never plays a game in the NBA, you know, he, that was the pick at number three, which I completely agree with. But then, you know, you can also say that, you know, you're not worried about, you know, Embiid not playing in, you know, the summer league, that that's not disappointing. I feel like, you know, with, with all the stories that came out over the past year, you know, the the Sixers bloggers in the area really based those stories off of Embiid being back in the lineup. So, you know, it, it's a little disheartening right now, you know, just to hear that she won't be there, um, you know, this summer in Las Vegas. Uh, at least that's, you know, the thinking here at the moment. But, you know, Mike, uh, what does this mean, you know, what does this news mean to you? Uh, 6ABC's Jeff Skaversky, uh, you know, as credible as he is, tweeted a source, you know, that Embiid will not receive a second surgery while Comcast Sports that John Gonzalez and D Lineham seem adamant that, you know, things are still up in the air. Uh, what do you make of all of this Joel Embiid news, Mike? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been a bunch of it uh, coming out over the past few days. It's hard to sift through exactly, um, you know, exactly what's going on with him, especially since, you know, none of us have been able to talk to Joel Embiid since on the phone the day after the draft. So that was the only time that, you know, we really got to ask him any sort of questions. So it's not like we're hearing it from him. And, uh, you know, right around, it's it's an interesting time for all this to come out, too, because, you know, the, the week, a couple weeks leading up to the draft, I think all three of us know well, is probably, the you know, the, the biggest time in the NBA for misinformation to come out. Uh, you know, teams putting up smoke screens, uh, letting reports leak out with, you know, purposely incorrect information. Obviously, I'm not saying that's the case with Joel, um, but I have read, you know, a couple – couple theories that you know this might be part of a plan to kind of overblow the injury but you know this my my initial reaction when I heard it was you know it was just disappointment not so much the fact that he wouldn't play in the summer league because uh you know I'm, I would carry uh in that regard that it you know it might not be the best idea for him to play you know of course it would be nice for him to get out and get some reps but you know uh, it's not that disappointing it's just more like like Jeff kind of alluded to how much of the rebuild is kind of based around him. Um, and, you know, a comforting thing with, with the Embiid selection that I've seen a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the local Sixers writers point out is it's not like at this point, um, of at least looking back on last year's draft, it's not like we they, the Sixers missed out on, you know, they didn't pass on, end up passing on Andrew Wiggins to take Embiid. You know, he kind of fell to their lap and, you know, the way the rest of the draft broke down after that, at this point, you know, there's there's, there's no guaranteed superstar from four on down. So, I mean, we, we still can hold out hope. Uh, I think we, we all agree it's a little too early still um, to really, you know, react and judge what this recent MB news means, um, other than the fact that, you know, now in all likelihood we won't be seeing him play this summer like, you know, we additionally, originally had thought that he might have. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, the the news was obviously shocking to me, um, but you know, until a second surgery is a definite thing, 
you know, it's not the end of the world. You hopefully can avoid the surgery, rest well until, you know, October around the preseason, um, you know, and in a perfect world, have him available for the regular season. Um, but, you know, the unknown of his recovery is what's most troubling. Uh, we're almost spoiled in a sense uh, with the way that Nerland's recovered from his torn ACL. Uh, but there's a lot of chatter, you know, surrounding Joel's commitment level um, to following direction and kind of taking the proper precautions for his foot. Um, you know, Joel still has a lot of growing to do. And, you know, it's not just the navicular bone in his right foot at, at the moment. Um, but, you know, this news obviously makes who the Sixers take at number three on draft night a lot more interesting. Uh, Kerry, who's the top of your board here? And, you know, did Joel's status affect that thinking at all? Uh, well, the top of my board is still Russell. I mean, I just feel that we've been missing a point guard or a combo guard who can play point, whatever you want to describe Russell as. And I still feel that he's at the top of my board. He's the guy I want the Sixers to take. I think he's the best fit to the team right now. I really don't see Embiid's alleged slow healing process impacting Sam Hinkie's draft philosophy or strategy or plan, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, everyone I've talked to and everything, all the experts I've read online are saying that the two bigs are going to go first in this draft. So there's not going to be a big – worthy of a third pick in the overall, you know, in the draft to take there. So you're really looking at Russell or Przingis, and it really depends on who you talk to as to which one of those is the better player. Um, I was talking to Mike on the phone earlier today, and I cannot believe the groundswell for Przingis that's going on around the NBA <laughs> and how his name is being attached to the Sixers all of a sudden on a lot of mock drafts and a lot of the NBA folks that I talk and text with are – are saying to me that the Sixers really love Porzingis, and it's actually kind of making me nervous that they're not going to take D'Angelo Russell and might go with a seven-foot guy who likes to shoot threes, and, you know, that's just not what I'm looking for. I'm sure he's a, a great player. and In fact, one guy I talked to from a Western Conference team said he, if he took the best of Dirk and the best of Bargnani and put them together, that's who you would have. And I, I, while there's nothing wrong with that, I still want D'Angelo Russell on the Sixers next year. And, Mike, you know, obviously, Terry just talked about Porzingis. Uh, it seemed like you and I were both on that Russell train as well up to this point. Uh, you know, Sam Hinkie got to see his workout in Las Vegas on Friday. Uh, what do you think of the seven foot one Latvian, and, you know, what impresses you the most about his game? Yeah, I mean, he's, Porzingis, he's definitely an intriguing option. Uh, you know, anytime you get legitimately compared to Dirk Nowitzki at, you know, age, whatever he is, I think 19 right uh, right now, um, you know, it's, it's an intriguing thing. I'm, I'm kind of on board with Kerry in the fact that that's not necessarily, you know, what I'm looking for with the team. Uh, it, pro- it wouldn't be the end of the world, you know, as Kerry alluded to, I, f- I feel like, especially as of recently, you know, the past couple weeks now that workouts have started to get underway and a lot of these teams are, uh, you know, getting the chance to see see him up, in, up close and in person for, you know, probably the first time. Um, you know, you feel like his, his name has certainly been mentioned more and higher up, you know, <clears throat> midway during the college season up until, you know, March. He was up, he was a lottery guy, but you weren't seeing him necessarily being mentioned as a, you know, one, two, three pick. I think, uh, you know, past few weeks, it's, it's really, you know, it's, his stock has risen. 
And, uh, you know, at this point, if Russell was off the board, uh, I, you know, as we, Jeff, you made clear, I've been a Russell guy, um, you know, all along. That's that's my A1 target. You know, I'd, I'd like to see the Sixers take him. I just think they need a, you know, a, dyna- a dynamic backcourt scorer, um, a guy that can score the ball from the perimeter. Um, if he's off the board, though, at three, by the time um, the Sixers come up, like, say, if the Lakers happen to snatch him up or something, I've you know, at that point, there's so many options and so many players. I don't think, you know, I, I don't know exactly how I would feel if they drafted Porzingis based off this, you know, uh, as I haven't got to see him play too much, um, you know, uh, uh, over the course of the year. But he seems like an intriguing option, and especially um, not that Joel's recent news of a setback would, I don't think it would alter Hinky's plan in any way. Um, you know, if he thought Porzingis was the best player, regardless of uh, Joel's status, my guess is that he would take take him anyway but uh you know with the timing and in light of the recent news of you know joel and you have to question honestly you know you have to question his uh his longevity if he's actually you know once he gets healthy is he going to be able to maintain it you know to a reasonable level for years that the Sixers can rely on and if not then maybe that adds you know a little extra incentive for them to look at you know a guy like Brzingis at the at the third spot yeah and you know they always say that you know, you can't teach length and athleticism. And, you know, the shooting ability that Przingis possesses at his size is rare. You know, you hear Dirk, Paul Gasol, Chris Bosh. Um, you know, and that sounds like kind of the, the perfect replacement for Embiid if he is, you know, indeed not playing the, the next season here. Um, you know, now the question kind of remains is if he's a better fit in the long run over D'Angelo Russell and, you know, that is kind of a legitimate argument to make. Um, you know, Russell fits this team in the sense that, you know, Embiid would take a lot of pressure off of him offensively where he could stretch the floor, you know, with his jumper. If the Sixers were to draft Russell now, it would almost be like a Carter-Williams-type situation where, you know, he's being asked to shoulder the load offensively for the entire season. You know, if, if Sarek is bought out um, and comes over, I think that could balance things out, but I think Russell would have a very tough time adjusting to the NBA defenses if he had to shoulder that offensive load, you know, next season. Um, But, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, alongside Michael Kasky, Blomain, and special guest, Kerry Smith. But, you know, speaking of Russell Kerry, he canceled his workout with the Sixers this weekend due to apparent sickness um, reported by Philly.com's Keith Pompey. Do you believe this is what really happened, or is there another reason in your mind why, you know, Russell was absent there? I mean, I, I don't believe that's the actual real reason. I don't have any evidence. It's just my gut instinct and, you know, having covered the NBA for a long time. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I've heard of guys, you know, there, everyone in the NBA tells stories about guys, you know, puking during their individual workouts or, you know, limping on one bad foot, anything to get, you know, seen by NBA scouts and front office people. So I find it hard to believe that a sniffle or a cough or whatever it was kept D'Angelo Russell from working out for the Sixers. Uh, I think he either has a hint at where he's going to go, whether it's he's going to fall to the Sixers and, you know, there's no need for him to work out for the Sixers, or he's got a promise in front of him. Something is telling his agent and him that there's no need for him to risk injury or whatever, or having his stock drop by doing any more workouts. So, Somewhere along the line, I think him and his agent have a pretty good feel for where he's going to be drafted, and that's the reason they decided to cancel the Sixers' workout. 
And Mike, you know, Russell had done that, that draft combine interview with the Sixers last month. Do you feel like that was enough of evaluation for Russell or do you see him, you know, working out for the Sixers, you know, in, in these 10 days here before the draft? Well, that's a good question. I feel like, uh, you know, obviously if he reschedules the workout, that would, uh, you know, I feel like that would go a long way in telling us, um, you know, whether or not he did, in fact, have a guarantee in place, as Kerry alluded to, or not necessarily a guarantee, but, you know, a solid idea that, you know, he was told by the Lakers that if he was there, they were going to take him or something like that. Um, You know, obviously if the workout is rescheduled in between now and next Thursday, then that, that will, you know, tell you something. If not, then, you know, the the question will remain in the air. Um, you know, after I saw after I saw that report, I, I tweeted out that um, for what it was worth, you know, both of the Sixers passed two lottery picks, um, Embiid and Noel, did not work out with the team. Obviously, you know, people a lot of people jumped on me saying, you know, it's not it's not comparable. They were both injured. They didn't work out for anyone, uh, which is obviously true. My point was simply being that the Sixers as a team wouldn't, you know, they obviously don't feel they need an individual workout with a player to make the decision to spend a high a high lottery pick on them. <clears throat> so, you know, it, I don't think that them having a workout with Russell would detract them from not taking him. It's just more a fact of, you know, I think at this point if he's going to be there or if he's actually their target, you know, the Sixers and, you know, teams in general keep things so tight-lipped around this time, you know, you're not going to hear a word from Sam Hinkie. It kind of reminds me a little bit of last year where there were so many reports coming out about, you know, the Sixers were going to try to trade up to get Wiggins or Wiggins was going to drop to the Sixers and, you know, and then after the, you know, immediately after the draft there was reports coming out that none of that was even true. So, I mean, it's really tough to tell. Um, I guess only time will tell at this point. But, I mean, it was definitely a little uh, definitely a little confusing when, you you know, when that report came out from Keith as to, you know, he had tweeted out one hour that he was heading to Philly this weekend, and then an hour later he was, you know, quote-unquote sick. Um, so, you know, I don't have any further information, but it was definitely a little, you know, a little bit curious. Yeah, Mike, I totally agree with you. Um, I understand why people are – you know, it created some confusion and people were curious to see what happened and why it was happening. But I really don't understand the infatuation with this story. I mean, I'm sure if we went back over the history of the, of the lottery and looked at teams who selected guys that did not come in for individual workouts, that the number of kids picked would far exceed our expectations. And the, he, not, him not working out for the Sixers, I just don't understand what the humongous deal is being made out of it. I mean, they they have so much videotape on him. It's, it's insane. They they interviewed him at the combine. I mean, the Sixers have definitely done their homework on D'Angelo Russell to watch him come in and shoot over a bunch of assistant coaches and run through cones and you know hit grab rebounds off of, in an empty court. I, I just I get why they want to do it, but I don't understand what the big concern is over him not coming in for a workout with the Sixers is at this point. Yeah, I mean, on Friday, you know, Sam was out of town examining for Zingas. So, you know, it makes sense that you would cancel as well as, you know, maybe he was slightly under the weather, you know, who knows. But uh, you want to, you know, give your best possible evaluation of a player. And, you know, maybe Sam suggested to, to reschedule. I don't really know what the case was. But, um, you know, even if he doesn't work out for the team, like you were saying, Kerry, you know, they've gotten a, a great evaluation of him at this point. Uh, I'm still kind of intrigued by, you know, Emmanuel Moutier's workout. 
uh, tomorrow. Um, but, you know, Russell's still the number one option for me at uh, number three in the top point guard out of the two. But, um, you know, this time of year, it seems like everyone has their kind of own draft boards. Um, Carrie, I'll start with you. Who would be your, you know, top five selections for the Sixers on draft night? Obviously, including, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Jahil Okafor. And, and, no, and, again, my first pick for the Sixers is D'Angelo Russell. I really like everything I've seen, everything I've read. Everyone I've talked to has nothing but great things to say about him on and off the court. I mean, obviously, I think his jump shot is something the Sixers could use at the at the point guard. And he just has a high, high basketball IQ. And that's another thing that I think this young Sixers team really needs is a lead guard who can get the ball to the right people in the right spots, run the sets, and do what Coach Brown wants done on the court. Um, you know, after Russell, if you're telling me Towns and Okafor are gone, they go one-two, uh, then I want Przingis, I I want Moutier, Winslow, and then if I really have to stretch, I guess you're going to force me to take Collie Stein as my fifth prospect for the Sixers. You know, everyone's telling me there's a humongous drop-off between Towns, Okafor, and Stein in terms of bigs that will go early in the first round. That Stein is just Collie Stein is just so raw yet. But those would be my five for the Sixers uh, at number three. And, Mike, you know, the, the same goes for you. How does your, you know, top five differ from Carey's? Uh, not too much. I mean, I'm obviously in agreement with Russell at the top. Uh, I think my second choice would be Moutier. Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by, you know, what he could do, uh, what he could be at the point guard position is his size. You know, six five. Uh, he's only listed at like one ninety right now. He has a frame though that definitely looks like he could take you know ten fifteen more pounds of muscle on there. Um, you know, I like the comparisons that he draws to uh, you know a guy like John Wall and what could, what that could be for the Sixers offense. And you know, eventually they need a point guard. Um, uh, you know, if, if Russell's not that guy, they think they're you know the reports are that they're potentially high on Moutier. I think he would be my number two. Um, you know, obviously, like Harry said, assuming that Carl, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Okafor are gone uh, at one and two, I would like to, uh, you know, Mario Hazonia is still a guy that his name's been brought up for the Sixers since last summer. Now he, uh, you know, he's a shooter, not 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 necessarily, you know, the type of guy you'd want to take at the third spot there. That might be a little bit high, but he's an interesting prospect. He'd probably be uh, my third. Uh, also, I'm big on Justice Winslow. Um, you know, Kerry mentioned his name. He's a guy that I think would plug in perfectly, like really nicely at the Sixers now, especially with, uh, you know, how wide open their perimeter spots are. He looks, he's the type of guy that could, you know, probably play the two or the three, depending. He's, you know, six six, real athletic, long. And, uh, you know, he looks ready to make it a, the jump from, you know, the a Duke team that, that was coached by, you know, Coach K to, you know, go to the NBA. So he would probably be my fourth. And then, uh, after him, you know, any pretty much anybody that's, you know, Stanley Johnson, I guess, would be up there. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Collie Stein, like Harry said. You know, I, I don't see him as a, you know, a great option for the team. So, yeah, I guess I would round out the fifth by, uh, you know, Stanley Johnson. My top five, I felt like, was set in stone until this Indeed news came out. Um, now I've slightly changed it. I'm just including Towns and Okafor in mind, but, you know, I go Towns, Russell, Porzingis, Okafor, and Moutier. And, you know, Towns and Porzingis obviously would be perfect fits if Embiid can't suit up next season. 
Towns definitely won't be there at number three, but, you know, it's a nice dream to have at least. Um, Russell's a great fit regardless. Okafor, I'm, you know, only taking if there's a trade in the works to move down. And, you know, I could be, really be swayed either way with uh, Moutier. Um, but it'll be truly interesting to see, you know, these five develop, um, who turns out to be the best of the bunch. And I think the next tier would be, you know, Winslow, Hazonia, Cauley Stein, Johnson, uh, those are, you know, all kind of guys who could fit in. Obviously, Winslow and Johnson are just, you know, great wing prospects. Azonia's got the three-point shot, which, you know, the team's kind of moving forward with. Um, I don't know, but, you know, the great thing about this draft is that I could be really convinced with any of these guys. Um, and it's just one of those loaded drafts with the talent up top. Um, but that kind of brings me to my next question. And, Kerry, say the Sixers do go big. They take uh, Przingis at number three. Do you see Hinky, you know, trying to trade back into the first round for a guy like Cameron Payne, who seems to be kind of like the better passing version of Lou Williams, or, you know, even try later on to get back in for Jerry and Grant, you know, Jeremy Grant's younger brother, who was one of the top scoring point guards in, you know, the NCAA last season? I mean, obviously, it's a definite possibility knowing Hinky and how he likes to wheel and deal and, and basically take over the draft and mistreat the rest of the general managers around the league that he will absolutely try to bundle those second-round picks or future picks and get back in the first round. But, I, I mean, it's nothing against Jerry and Grant or any of the guys you mentioned, but I, if, if we're not going to get Russell and Moutier as a lead guard, I'd just as well, you know, take a pass on any of the guys in the first round, maybe look to – you know, steal in the second round, or even, and I know this is probably going to sound crazy, but I might even look to sign a lead guard in the off season and plug in, plug in a veteran, so to speak, uh, and try to win some games next year. You know, I think by accident the Sixers will win 30 games next year, and if they plug in a lead guard that's a veteran with some experience, that number could even be higher than that. So I'm not so sure if I'm in favor of trading up into the first, back into the first round to get a to get a lead guard or a point guard, however you want to call it. But I'm sure that Hinky will uh, will try to do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like Payne. Uh, I think he's kind of the prototypical point guard. At, you know, six to 180 pounds, averaged uh, 20 points, six assists, three rebounds last season. Um, but you know. It wasn't really the the conference that Russell played in um, over there, you know, the uh, Ohio Valley Conference compared to the Big Ten, you know, a, a little bit different there. But, yeah, I mean, you know, if they were to draft Porzingis, I think that he's the point guard you might want to trade back in for. You know, Jerry Grant's kind of going down a slippery slope. You know, he's about to turn 23 at the start of next season and um, – you know, he doesn't really have that, that three-point shot um, that we talked about with Russell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, they would be viable options. But like you said, you might want to go for a more well-known player, uh, a veteran that you might be able to sign for something if that's the case. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just good that there's, you know, options there if the Sixers were to look back for the, the first-round picks there. Um, Mike, what do you think of, you know, the possibility of something like this happening where, you know, you got the big guy you want and maybe another skilled young point guard in the process? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it, honestly, over over the past two years' uh, draft with Hinkie's track record. I really wouldn't put anything past them. And, uh, you know, they got five second-round picks that could easily be packaged to move uh, back up late into the first round. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of names that really jump out at me. You, you mentioned, you know, a couple of the guys, obviously Jerry and Grant with the, you know, the relationship to Jeremy. That's, you know, that's something the team would consider. But, um, you know, I think he's also been able to pull out pull up some solid second rounders, um, you know, out of the hat, whether it be guys that have actually played or, you know, a guy like Jordan McRae, who's, you know, at this point kind of like a forgotten man for the team, but still has the, you know, the, the potential to come back and really make a difference for the team after a year overseas. Uh, so, you know, one thing I will give Hinky credit for is what he's done with the second round picks that he's compiled there. You know, certainly not throwaway picks as I think a lot of people, you know, thought a second round picks were eventually. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would certainly be something to consider, um, you know, especially like you said, if, if they went big again in the lottery, um, you know, which would leave them with an, just an awkward roster of, you know, three, you know, high profile bigs and, you know, say it was Porzingis, Noel, and Embiid you know, three straight high lottery picks on bigs and then a real, real empty, um, you know, backcourt slash wing spots, uh, you know, so then you would you would think that he would either move, try to move back in or at least use some of those picks and uh, cap space this summer too in addition to, um, you know, address some of those holes. And, Kerry, you know, regardless of what happens on draft night, um you know, how does this indeed setback now kind of affect Sam Hinkie's reputation? Uh, you know, he's been getting hammered by some of the more naive Sixers reporters, uh, you know, Howard Eskin, <laughs> Marcus Hayes. Uh, but how how do you think this will, you know, hurt his reputation for the people who really, you know, bought into the plan, followed the plan over these past two seasons? You know, their slogans, this starts now, but, you know, is it really starting now? Do you think fans have, you know, the right at this point to start tuning Sam out a bit. I mean, I, I think that they, if you want to tune Sam out, that's your own choice. I don't, if you're on board with Hinky's rebuilding plan, then I don't think you're anywhere near tuning him out. I mean, how is this, how is Embiid's foot healing slowly? Hinky's fault. He's not a witch doctor. He can't go in there and, you know, <laughs> something on his foot and make it come back together quicker. Um, we knew he was injured. We knew how severe the injury was. We uh, you know, anyone who's had this injury, if you read anything online about the NBA players who've had this injury, it does take time to heal. There are also a number of players who have returned from this injury and had great careers. And I just don't understand personally what all the bandwagon jumping or the slamming of Sam Hinkie is based on an X-ray or, you know, a scan that showed his injury is not healing as fast as they all want to. I mean, if you're on board with this rebuilding plan, you have to realize that the Sixers are going to be markedly better than they were last year just because Noel's got a year under his belt. Uh, You know, Robert Covington's got a full year under his belt now or almost a full year. You know, Roten will be back, and we've got, you know, a a nice core of players. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the NBA title, but they're certainly not going to win 19 games again. So I think you're going to see improvement as a team and from individuals next year, and that will start to give the hinky – believers some momentum and I think you'll start to see the haters or whatever you call them start slipping away next year as the Sixers are growing together and getting better again I don't think they're winning the Eastern Conference next year but I think they will be remarkably better than they were in the last two years 
I mean, as sports fans love talking about luck. Uh, it's kind of a factor that you can't really account for in any sport. And, you know, it seems like the, the Sixers have had some luck. You know, Robert Covington's really turned out to be kind of a gem um, signing for Hanky. But, you know, um, Hanky kind of had to work to get all those, those picks, you know, the first rounders, second rounders the team has. But, you know, for two straight drafts, the Sixers land the number three pick in the lottery. Uh, they miss out on Wiggins last year for Embiid. Uh, they most likely miss out on, you know, Towns this year, who based on the news with Embiid would have been, you know, kind of a perfect selection there where you kind of worry about the fits later on for this team. Um, do you think Sam's uh, gotten a bit unlucky here, Mike, um, in terms of just everything that's happened? Yeah, I mean, you could have got lucky if you put it that way. I mean, you would you would have thought that given the national attention that the Sixers have received for their method of rebuilding since Sam took over, you know, you would have thought that they would have at least been rewarded with, the you know, at least the top two pick one of the past two drafts. It's a, it's a little bit salty to get the third pick two years in a row. Um, you know, last year you miss out on a like, – like you said, Jeff, you miss out on Wiggins who, you know, we don't know if it was the team's target, but – the fans wanted him. He's, you know, he looks like a player that's well on his way to becoming a superstar after this is his first season in Minnesota. Um, you know, you get a guy like Embiid that was a question mark coming in. So, you know, and like like you guys both alluded to, it's not a new injury, and you know, Sam can't be held accountable for the lack of, you know, uh, healing in the injury. I think the, uh, the the recent news is kind of a, like a, a reaffirmation from the doubters of last year, kind of like laughing, like, ha-ha, this, this is not going to work. Look at this guy. Um, you know, I, I don't look at it that way. I think most of the people that are kind of behind the plan don't look at it that way. Um, to play devil's advocate for a second, uh, I, uh, one side that I do understand, you know, I talk to a lot of people, mainly on Twitter, like such as fans every day, not necessarily Sixers fans, NBA fans. One thing you hear a lot is that, you know, for all the work the Sixers have done in tanking, they don't have a lot to show for it. Um, you know, obviously neither of the lottery picks played last year. Now another, possibly another whole season is in question for Embiid. Still don't know when, they still don't know when Sarik is coming over. So, you know, potentially if they had used those picks on, uh, like someone else that had played last year, for the team, there would be more, um, you know, something to actually progress or growth further than just, you know, Noel and the pickup of Covington. But, uh, you know, overall, it's still just, it's too early on either side to, uh, you know, to truly evaluate Sam Hinkie so far and what he's done, uh, you know, with the team. It can't be, you know, you can't say one way or another it's been a success or it's been a failure. You know, I, I was, I'm kind of in agreement with Kerry that, you know, I don't know how many wins necessarily the team's going to have this year, but, you know, with any, with any development at all, the team, you know, it should be better. The, the players like Noel and Covington will have another a year under their belt, the return of Roten, whoever they pick with three, you know, I'm, I'm holding out a little bit of hope that they spend. Obviously I know they're, you know, the odds of them going out and landing a Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard this summer is, you know, a very, very rare, you know, they're most likely going to re-up with their respective teams. If not, the, the you know, the likelihood of them wanting to come and join the Sixers at this stage is super doubtful. But I was, I'm still holding out some hope that they use some of the cap space that they have to maybe add a couple guys, uh, you know, even if they went back after someone like KJ in a lowered market or um, like a Wesley Matthews out of uh, Portland, something like that. 
I'm holding out some hope that they use some cap space and, uh, you know, just to put another product on the court next year that, you know, I think people are still patient and on board with the plan. You know, those that, those that truly understood it and were on board with his, uh, Hanky's route of rebuilding all along are still there. But, uh, you know, it, it would be nice to see some, you know, a little bit of progress in a team that, like Harry said, not necessarily a team that's, you know, you, you think is going to win the title this year, but a team that at least, you know, you're seeing improvement and might be on upwards toward complete competing for a playoff spot, something like that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the Embiid news is unfortunate, um, unlucky, but then again, Sam already knew, you know, the risk going in. Um, would I have taken the risk on Embiid? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was pleading for the Sixers just not to take Dante Exum, and they didn't. So, you know, I was very happy with, uh, you know, Embiid, uh, along with Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker. You know, those were the three guys that should have been picked, one, two, and three. And, you know, unfortunately, the Sixers kind of got the short end of the stick. But, you know, any decision you make in the NBA, there's a bit of luck involved. You know, who knew Parker would tear his ACL this season? Um, who knew Julius Randle would break his leg in the Lakers' first game of the year? You know, injuries are part of the game. You just never really know how a player will respond in their recoveries. And, you know, I'm glad Hinky has attempted to at least increase his luck here by adding as many draft picks as he possibly can um, in the process. But, you know, moving on from the Sixers, We've all been witnesses to one of the best NBA final series that I've ever seen in my lifetime. I know Mike can probably attest to this as well. Carrie, you might, you know, have a different opinion on this. Um, how much of a treat is it just to see two position players in LeBron James and Steph Curry go at it like they have in this series? Curry was just simply outstanding shooting the ball in game five. LeBron's been, you know, phenomenal throughout. And the unsung hero, Andre Iguodala, you know, might just come away with the NBA Finals MVP trophy. Um, how enjoyable has it been to, you know, watch this whole series for you? Oh, I think it's been very enjoyable. Um, you know, obviously Curry struggled a little bit in the first couple of games and really put his, put his stamp on this series last night. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a player who could create a jump shot off the dribble the way he has. I mean, all he needs is a sliver of space. You know, he uses that around the back dribble like no one I've ever seen before in my time. And, uh, he, you know, gets that just a little bit of daylight and the ball is off. You know, and sometimes I can't believe he puts up the shots he does and, and they still go in. You know, you're like, that's a terrible shot. And somehow it goes in. I mean, not somehow. The guy practices like 24 hours a day on his jump shot. So, you know, he has a pretty good idea it's going in when it leaves his fingers. As far as LeBron, I mean, if he carries and somehow carries this team to the NBA title, I think it's going to go down as one of the best individual efforts, you know, we've seen in the NBA finals. I mean, obviously his numbers are ridiculous so far, several triple-doubles. And you look at his supporting cast, I mean, in two of the games that they've lost, if he gets any help whatsoever from J.R. Smith or Shumpert or anyone on that team, they win. I mean, he's literally doing it all himself. The two of them contributed basically nothing in the losses that the the Cavs have put up. I mean, obviously Smith played a little bit better in the, in the most recent loss. But, I mean, if he gets any help whatsoever from the supporting cast, you know, they, they could have won the NBA title by now. I mean, it's just to think that he what he's doing right now is just it's Jordan-esque or whatever you want to call it. I, you know, I know people love to compare the two, and I probably shouldn't have gone there, but – you know, it's one of the best individual performances we've seen in a long time in an NBA Finals. 
Yeah, it really has been. I mean, LeBron James is literally carrying this team, um, you know, averaging 36 points, 12 rebounds, and eight assists in the series. Um, You know, Kerry, forget Jordan. Will there ever be, you know, another LeBron? And do you think he's really silenced all his haters at this point? Oh, he's never going to silence his haters. I mean, there are just too many of them out there. I, I still find it so ridiculous that people can hate on this guy. I mean, yeah, he's been cocky as hell in the post-game press conferences, and if he talks about him being a leader one more time, I, you know, I may puke in my mouth. But I get that he's cocky. I get that he rubs people the wrong way. But on the court, I don't know how people can hate him. You know, at six foot eight and two fifty, we'll never see a physical specimen. You know, I think for a long time they can do what he does with a basketball. It's just amazing. He can, you know, he can cross you up. He can pull you over to the post, as he's shown in this series. I mean, he can shoot the three. I mean, at his size, he's just a freak of nature with his skill set. And, and I just don't understand all the haters. I mean, it just it has the guy, you have to respect the guy, not just his skills, but you know, the effort he puts in every night at the defensive end and the rebounding and getting his teammates involved. And, you know, he seems like a great teammate for every account that I've read or heard. So I, I just don't know if we'll ever see this package again in terms of all-round player as well as the physicalness and size that he brings to the court. And, Mike, you know, the odds are now, you know, highly in favor of the Warriors winning this thing. Um, the last time a team – has been able to come back from a 3-2 series deficit to win the series on the road was the 1978 Washington Bullets. Um, you know, with the reigning MVP has also never lost when, you know, leading the series 3-2. Uh, they're 13-0 and all time. Um, but, you know, like LeBron said, he's the best player in the world. He's going to shoulder the load like he has all series. Um, do you think, even if the Cavs do go down, LeBron deserves, you know, that NBA Finals MVP award. Um, just because it's so, you know, that it's so rare to ever see, a, you know, a player on a losing team get awarded, a, you know, the MVP award. Honestly, it would be, I would be okay with it um, based off his performance. Uh, you know, it would be unprecedented in my lifetime. I know that uh, I believe it happened to, uh, to Jerry West, but, uh, you know, that was – before my time, so as, as far as I've been watching, I've never seen a uh, you know the MVP go to a player on the losing team. But you know his cast of characters at this point, uh, you know on the Cavs with him, considering the injuries to you know Love, Irving, and even Anderson Verja, who is you know the team's starting center last year and could certainly help with giving them some depth. Um, you know this team is his, his supporting cast is as bad as any team I remember in the finals, you know, it's right up there with, you know, his own, the 07 Cavs and, you know, even our own 01 Sixers. Yep. He's, as Carrie, as Carrie said, you know, he literally <laughs> had to do, had to do everything outside of, uh, you know, game four Mozgov explosion where I think, you know, he had 28 and then for whatever reason, David Blatt decided not to go to him in game five. Um, LeBron's had to do it all. And it's, it's literally become, you know, the, a team versus an individual. The, the whole offense runs through him. So, you know, in the, in the end, if that's what happened, personally, I predict that I, I, I think that we have one more crazy LeBron performance in us tomorrow in uh, game six to push it to a seventh game. And then uh, I think the Warriors will close it out in, in Golden State. And, uh, you know, if considering the numbers and what he's done, uh, you know, the, the team award will go to the Warriors. But 
it's really, you could certainly make the case, and I would be absolutely okay with, you know, LeBron getting the, the MVP award. I think, you know, in his eyes, that would be a failure, but it would be kind of a nod to what he's accomplished in these finals and, you know, playoffs as a whole. I totally agree with Mike. I mean, what happens if LeBron goes out and puts up 45 or, God forbid, a double nickel in game six and the Cavs win the fourth game seven? And then, you know, he has an average game and scores 38 in game seven and they lose. I mean, how do you give hmm. the finals MVP to anyone else? I mean, Curry so far has had one great game. I, I understand the argument or the the momentum behind Iguodala his insertion to the lineup that has changed the momentum and the, the game plan for this entire series. But I would struggle to name Andre Iguodala the, the MVP of the NBA Finals. It's just When you look at the sheer statistics that LeBron is putting up, I mean, they're of historic nature. And I just don't understand whether he wins or loses, how he's not the Finals MVP given what he's doing. And if he goes crazy tomorrow night in Game 6 and puts up some outrageous triple-double again, I just don't know how you – he doesn't get the award. Well, Terry, you you actually posed this question to to me and Mike on Philadelphia before you know the the thick of the playoffs. Uh, what former Sixer would you like to see bring home a title here? I believe you said Andre Godala, and you know the way he has been playing, like like we've mentioned, you know he might even be on pace, you know, to win that Finals MVP award. He had a great, you know, sequence in, in game five uh, where he forced LeBron to miss, uh, made a corner three, and a beautiful, you know, off-the-glass N1 play, you know, kind of in straight succession and, you know, outside of his free throws to end that game. Um, you know, it seems like he really has been the gel to hold this Warriors team together. Um, you know, say LeBron does put up a dud in, you know, game six, the Warriors end up winning and, you know, Andre puts up, you know, another near triple-double game. Do you think that's enough to, you know, take it away from either LeBron or Steph Curry as, you know, the, the MVP of the finals? I think it could be, yeah. I think a lot depends on what kind of game Curry has. If, they, if the series only goes six and, they, and the Warriors do win, you know, I just I find it just simply outstanding basketball that Iguodala is playing right now, and it's amazing – how when you put that guy in the right role, which I always felt he was miscast here in Philadelphia and and in part misunderstood by a lot of the fan base. I mean, the basketball purists, I think, understood exactly what type of player Iguodala was. He was never intended to be a first option, and that's kind of the role he was thrust into after Iverson's departure here in Philadelphia. But you look at his role in Golden State, how he accepted a, role, a move to the bench, and it's perfect for him. You know, if he throws in 14, 16 points, it's a bonus. Go out there, lock down somebody, rebound, get your teammates involved, provide some energy. I mean, that's who the guy is, and he's fit perfectly in that role that Steve Kerr's put him in, and it's really helped the Warriors. I just wish we could have found somebody to, to be the alpha dog here in Philadelphia so he could have assumed that role, you know, here for the Sixers. I mean, I was not a Nigadala hater. Uh, here in Philadelphia, and I certainly understood what his role should have been, but unfortunately we just couldn't find that number one or number two option to allow him to slide into the role where he belongs. Well, you know, Kerry, it's been a pleasure having you on and, you know, talking Sixers tonight. Once again, this was, you know, the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, alongside Michael Katsky-Blumain. Follow us on the app Stitcher 
enjoy the rest of the NBA Finals. Um, I think the Warriors will indeed close it out tomorrow night in Cleveland. Uh, but, you know, we'll catch you next time with some more draft coverage, um, some news on the Sixers' new jersey unveiling, and, you know, a lot more stuff here. So, you know, thanks a lot, Mike and Kerry, for coming on. Thanks, Kerry. We appreciate it, man. In 1982, man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades, like straight up babes Our parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Serva called Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but feel in the fix Get on that road, they cost 676 The most expensive, expensive piece of interstate They ever made a better same favors, but they got good game Get on, get on 76ers Charlo Bartley, this Larry Bird Get on, 76ers Charlo Bartley, this Larry Bird Shoots the middleman, now disguises the jewel